0: Hello, and welcome to the OCO podcast. I'm Colin McCullough, the Global Trade Director for OCO Global. Today, we are discussing culture as a barrier to entry. This is the first of a three-part series where we cover the three core facets of doing business overseas, communicating, influencing, and negotiation. As companies and economic development organizations get more strategic in their approach, to internationalization. One of the key questions we hear all the time is which market should I prioritize? The numbers and the barriers like regulations and tariffs tell some of the story, but it is not complete without considering culture. Today, we look at the three largest economies in the world of Germany, the US and China and explore how culture can prohibit trade and actually prevent companies from being successful even though the numbers uh, tell us that they they should be. I am joined today by three experts from each of the markets. Uh, From the US, I'm joined by Alison Stewart-Allen, CEO of International Marketing Partners and author of the best-selling book, Working with Americans. Having advised over 260 companies across 24 countries, including the likes of Lufthansa, Burberry and Pandora, she's a recognized expert in the field of global expansion. Jens Mank is Director OCO in Germany, based out of Frankfurt. Jens has nearly a decade of experience in international trade and foreign investment, having worked for NRW Invest and for the retail group Metro. Jens and his team support UK companies and American companies to enter the German market as a delivery partner for DIT and many state organizations. And from China we have Ziyi Zhao who's a project manager of international trade and FDI for OCO in China. Having consulted with many international clients with business development and market expansion, Ziyi has gained invaluable experience understanding and building long lasting partnerships. CEO who holds a master's degree of comparative linguistics and intercultural communication from Heidelberg University. So let's start. Uh, Alison, um, Americans, uh, you've been working with them for uh, 30 years, you are one. And uh, is it fair to say that Americans are, as, as we sort of perceive them to be loud, um, proud and potentially uh, uh, overconfident? Uh, how would you uh,
1: how would you reply to that yeah so I think for uh, non- Americans uh, working with us and uh, of course having lived uh, abroad now in two different countries uh, originally from LA uh, now in London for 32 years and formerly in Munich uh, while I was much younger uh, you know you can only see your country by leaving it. And I know from what I'm told by clients uh, and other people I meet, uh, the perception is that the American extrovert uh, personality and uh, you know, the approach that the culture uh, reinforces and celebrates can definitely come across as uh, more loud, more enthusiastic, more energetic, uh, certainly more confident and bullish. Uh, and depending on what culture uh, you're in and perceiving uh, Americans, this could be alienating and uh, a little overwhelming. Uh, And, you know, if you're not used to it and you don't know what to expect, uh, it could uh, potentially also be off-putting.
0: Yes. And uh, it's almost like when I think then of of Germany, um, I think of, and uh, if we go stereotypes here, I do think of, you know, supreme attention to detail and quality, highly organized, but a little bit boring with no sense of humor. (laughs) What do you think
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, in terms of perceived characteristics, you know, there are these positive attitudes like diligence, punctuality, quality, reliability, but also some that are perceived negative, maybe, uh, as you pointed out, perfectionism, inflexibility, uh, reserved behavior. But I I think it's no secret that the German business culture is, is marked by organization, planning, perfectionism. And um, maybe this is why the Germans in general are also perceived as what you said, the masters of planning. Um, But maybe the most important thing to consider when doing business with Germans or German companies is maybe the German attitude of uncertainty avoidance. And um, I think this is a management style, especially especially with family-owned SMEs. And I mean, they represent 99% of all German companies. They have a reputation of being relatively risk-averse. So... Um, maybe this this is an explanation why the Germ why why Germany has a culture that likes task orientation and forward thinking and is process driven and detailed. It's just to avoid that uncertainty. Um, and yeah, so um many international companies that that we are also dealing with, you know, um would always have to deal with um, you know, these aspects of you know defined and regulated structure, laws, rules, and procedures. Um, and, you know, things like the well-known German DIN-norm, DIN-norm or, you know, th- things like zeitarbeitskrafte arbeitnehmer right? So just exaggerating. But um, yeah, th- th- this is all very usual and common in Germany. It just needs to be considered um, and it needs time to evaluate and prepare when doing business uh, with a German culture.
0: Thank you. So I think it's a great point you make on um, the risk aversion. Um, I see now particularly in you know today's times where um, we're all used to try to selling value but actually when it comes to decision making and spending you know money which is a little bit tighter uh, now and you know that inability to travel at the moment and um, you know risk managing risk is, is more and more important so it's interesting that that is actually a common sort of uh, thread of, of German culture and doing business in in Germany and see I find it hard to to sort of um, put a finger on on you know uh, in Chinese culture. I mean, the stereotypes we know are are around sort of copying uh, great ideas and that sort of stuff. Can you is, is it possible to sum up um, sort of Chinese culture in a way that you know would would give um, international business people a, a sort of idea of of how they how they view the world?
3: Sure. Um, so me. Um born and growing up in china but leaving germany for a while and after getting back from germany actually i find out i let, i understand my people less than Uh it's actually uh, very complex to if you want sum some a, some of chinese culture in one or two sentences uh, i think uh, one two things i want to point out the first is a chinese business culture is complex Um, And if you have to, I have to give one suggestion to the international companies who want to do business in China or or with Chinese people is uh, business always go hand in hand with the politics. Uh, That's crucial in China because, um, firstly, China has never been a business in um, growing, a faster business growing industry until the 70s. Um, we, uh, we are a typical representative of farming civilization, of the small peasant economy for over the centuries. Um, and over so many dynasties, agriculture was always emphasized and business or commerce is always inhibited. Um, and after the founding, the founding of Chinese uh, People's Republic of China, that's when China embarked the planet. Um, economy. That means politics is penetrating every corner of the society and um, dominating business until the 70s with the reform and opening up policy. So we have 40 years really getting into the international business. And it's still very hard for the Chinese people, people to separate the politics exactly uh, completely from business. I think that's the first thing that people can remember. Um, so sometimes it's very hard to, to explain why certain things um, are, are, are like this. Then you can probably go into the politics or political background of China, and then we can find, maybe find the answer to the current many why. Um, and I think I, I'm not representing all the Chinese people in this pod, podcast, but there are some of the uh, commonly shared characteristics I want to point out. Um, The first one is the guanxi, the relationship that um, um, it's the Chinese people prefer doing business with the company they know, with people they trust. Um, If they want to cooperate with somebody they don't know, they prefer through a middle person that they also they they trust. Um, So it's it's crucial for Chinese people to have this middle person. Um, So business relationship shall be built formally. Even without long short term results, so this is come to the second point I want to um, I want to mention is one of the value is the long term orientation. So Chinese people are looking for long term cooperation instead of one deal. So they come in, negotiate, often want to establish a long term relationship rather than discussing of one single cooperation, um, and then. Um, they also, this old saying goes like, remain friendly, even though the business fails. So it's because they always open doors for the next possibility to cooperate. And the next thing I want to point out is pragmatism. So Chinese people will not weighed around to the perfect answer or the perfect plan. If they are 50% sure, they will start acting and they will try to figure it out along the way. Um, so it's also relatively easy for them to throw, uh, to overthrow, um, any conclusion and start over. Um, the next one is very famous harmony. Um, uh, I have clients come to me and say why Chinese people smile all the time, even though, though they are rejecting me, uh, brutally. Uh, it's, it is true because, um, there's old saying is harmony makes money. So even though we huh. don't cooperate this time, <laughs> We still remain a harmonious relationship and partnership because um, that is the way we have we can earn mutual benefits. Um, the next, the next one, the last one is um, faith. So losing faith is important. So So keep keep like the losing faith, means. So so it's important in Chinese um, culture, especially business culture, is to is to keep the person looking good. Um, is, uh, in the business environment. So this is a way of showing respect and also a way of building trustworthy relationships. And last but not least I want to point out is China is huge. So I have clients come to me and say, Oh, I, I I I'm doing perfectly in Shanghai and I'm and I moved to Beijing and I don't know what to do. So it's it's very normal because the north and the south has share different cultures. So always be prepared that um, you have to learn a lot doing doing working with Chinese people, because they come from different uh, areas in China.
0: Okay, thank you very much. And So let's look at the first area of doing business really, which is the most basic, which is communicating. And effectively communicating is the ability to get your message across and uh, clearly and effectively, so that it is uh, understood. Um, but as George Bernard Shaw so beautifully put it, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place so we may think we're communicating but we're uh we're probably not and i i actually uh i think um uh he also wrote in the uh allison that the uh that england and america are two countries separated by a common language and um, do you think that's true
1: Um, I do think that's true. I mean, American English is a very different version uh, than the UK, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, uh, the pink, former pink parts of the globe that were part of the British Empire. Uh, You know, American English has uh, mutated uh, over the last 250 or so years uh, and uh, become purposeful. Uh, And has become a pretty low context uh, and a tool for assimilating the millions of immigrants. That really has formed my country. So, uh, you know, you can't do subtle, uh, indirect, eyebrow-raise, wink-wink, nudge-nudge sort of communication in the U.S. because you will have a a number of people that won't follow the story. Uh, So uh, I think the challenge, uh, therefore, for uh, those that learn American English, like myself, uh, who then come to the U.K., uh, certainly we have to learn how... To listen for omission. You know, British English is a much more high context indirect language, uh, and therefore there's importance in what's left out of the communication in the UK. So, having to train your ear to know what should have been said uh, and how the rest of the British uh, in your meeting will know that. There was something unsaid, and that's meaningful. Uh, that's extremely difficult for those of us from uh, the US, where you know English uh, is what is said is said, and that's it. There isn't any other uh, hidden meaning or subtext uh, to divine uh, from the message.
0: Yeah. So, if I was a, a, a UK uh, SME going to um, sell into the US uh, for example Alison and we uh, are typically a bit more um, around the houses let's say in our approach to language I mean what what um, how would that land in America if you know we use that sort of um, you know high context and um, versus low and, and what advice would you give SMEs to, to fix that
1: so I think using high context uh, and uh, a British English approach may lose some of your American uh, customers or clients or colleagues. So really the advice I give now to clients is keep it direct Uh, Use numbers wherever possible at the beginning of your pitch uh, and your value proposition because everyone in the U.S. understands numbers. You know, if you have come from everywhere else around the globe, which is our history in the United States, no matter whether you're fluent in English or another version of English or not, you will understand numbers. So that's the first uh, thing. Secondly is to be direct, to ask outright and explicitly uh, for what it is that you want and for how you are going to help that customer or colleague uh, or client uh, improve their business, improve their life, uh, improve their happiness, whatever it is that you're promising. But it needs to be pretty explicit and direct. Uh, and, you know, the problem in some ways by leaving it to the end of your presentation is the audience will, especially Americans who are time pressured and uh, basically the whole country has ADD, you could assume, okay. uh, attention deficit disorder. So, given that, uh, getting to the point quickly is going to be uh, what it's all about and being really explicit about. What is it you're there to do, and how are you going to improve their business or personal lives?
0: So, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily put German and um, uh, uh, American uh, business culture so so aligned here, but I think in this particular aspect of sort of low low context and direct jens would, would does that resonate in in Germany?
2: Yeah, that's correct. And I would also say maybe that is also one reason why um, the US and Germany have uh, yeah maybe also strong economic ties. So also Germany, you know, most details of communication are transmitted explicitly. And um, I mean, the first thing, if it comes to communication, um, I would point out is that, uh, you know, an international company in doing business with German companies should expect a great deal also of written business communication um, and this again uh, relates to what i said before it's that uh, german attitude of uncertainty avoidance um, to back up decisions uh, or just to maintain a record of decisions and and discussions um, german business people just pre- prefer uh, contracts written agreements of all type and um, i think you know, this is important, but also in, maybe in contrast to other cultures. And, you know, I'm curious to hear what, what these uh, will be saying about that later. Um, if it comes to verbal uh, communications, I mean, Germans can be at the same time res- reserved and direct. And what you said before, Colin, you know, this can be pre- perceived positive, but also negative in, in the same way, but is never, um never, uh you know, going to be rude or, uh, you know... To, to another company, it's just like uh, the communication uh, from from German business people is often very straightforward, um just as Alison has pointed out as well, and um, often use only a few polite or chatty phrases right so um this is this needs to be considered um, so I mean. The point I want to make here is that, you know, when doing business with Germans or entering into a business communication, um, written follow-ups to meetings that, you know, were conducted, uh, you know, pointing out next steps. And um, also what Alison said, you know, including uh, details, numbers um, to give context. um, And again, um, you know, pointing to this attitude of uncertainty avoidance. Everything you can do in in communication to uh, reduce... The perceived risk of uncertainty of avoidance for that German customer, buyer, or business partner, um, that would be beneficial.
0: So does that extend the yes? I mean, if we're say a, you know an American or a UK company looking to do business in Germany, um, you know, can we can we approach them in English? You know, on the phone, written communication, or if we did have a local partner or even you know a German-speaking person, would that um, help de-risk and sort of um, give them a bit more comfort um, or, or, or does it matter?
2: Well it depends. I think in large groups um, but also um, startups and scale-ups uh, there won't be any problem to approach these companies in English language. But again 99% of the German companies are uh, SMEs and also family-owned businesses. And um, if you're, you know, um, a company with a niche product or service uh, and reaching out to a very specific industry, you know, uh, engineering um, or manufacturing industry, um, and you want to get to the, you know, right person, it, it would be beneficial, um, yeah, to, to have some uh, knowledge of, of German language to to have that first barrier um, overjumped, yeah.
0: Right. That thanks, Jan. So yes, uh, this is a, um, probably a, a different experience in, in China with sort of direct versus indirect and, and the sort of high-low context. Can you, can you sum that up for us, please?
3: Yes, so I just follow the high context and low context uh, principle. So um, China is definitely on the high context end um, however, uh, Chinese people can be sometimes really explicit. Uh, maybe we call it overly rude because they're just targeting the right numbers and the right figures. So um, so in general, I find it uh, it's very hard to summarize and say Chinese people are in general very implicit or explicit, but there's a one way that I can recommend is um, when they come to the investment, the figures and the uh, the, the the commercial part, they will be very explicit. Um, they will ask the questions, they care about numbers and figures. Um, except from that, they could be very implicit, especially when they have to say no. Uh, so, because they feel they gonna hurt somebody's heart, or they gonna uh, they gonna break the relationship or a partnership with the potential partner in the future. Um, one thing that I want to point out, especially for those who never um, cooperate with the Chinese before, is the way how Chinese people communicate. So, the Chinese people use a very comprehensive thinking model. So uh, it's not like targeting one specific question once at a time. They are putting every question on the table at the same time, and they discuss it at the same time until every question is cleared. So um, if, if there are a client come to them and say, "I want you just to focus on one thing," but why my co- a corporation, uh, call my, why my partner, talking about the other thing? Actually, they are in their respect, uh, in their uh, perspective, uh, connected. So. This is the one way that how Chinese people think, um, they prefer big pictures instead of going to small details. Um, so they, if, they, if the big picture is aligned, then the small details can be discussed later on in later meetings. Um, so always is they tackle issues from principles to details, from the whole to the part. So this is the way how Chinese people normally do. Uh, Might be confusing um, for lots of people, especially for for, uh, people come from low context. They want to target the details immediately while the Chinese partners are talking about big pictures and uh, uh, historical background and all that. Um, One thing um, I want to point out is the language barrier. Uh, It is true that... Uh, more and more Chinese people speak English now, and especially for the companies have international business. They normally have an international department with people speaking English. Um, however, very sadly, as uh, I have to admit but, uh, myself, is we studied English for, uh, for the examinations. So our written English is way better than oral English and listening. So it's very possible that uh, after the meetings, um, they you have to ask the Chinese partner to write write it down and to confirm that they do understand what you're talking about. Um, it's, it's it's quite often that um, somebody you communicated through emails can actually not speak anything in English. Uh, so this will be one this will be one language barrier. So it's important if you have a Chinese, a person who speaks Chinese. Or a Chinese partner in China uh, before starting business with their Chinese uh, partners. Um, also, Chinese people actually don't like writing emails, uh, so they prefer calling each other or go to visit. So if so, WeChat is the channel that people use for socializing and also for business. So there's no get off to work, especially for people who work in themselves. There's no every. Twenty four seven is time for for business. If there is a request,
0: interesting. Absolutely. So you have to use WeChat if you're going to communicate in, in China, basically. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So WeChat is the it's a very recommended if you have, want to communicate with your Chinese partners. Um, they will they will use that as uh, as their telephone number, and they will use also that as emails.
2: Well, that's super. That's super interesting, Zihi, because you know in Germany people tend to you know strictly divide between business and social life. You know they might even have uh, two cell phones, one for work and one for private, and this is very common and interesting. What you're saying?
3: Yeah, it's actually true that some people have two WeChat accounts because they want to separate the private life and uh, the business life. But in general, uh, it's very common that nowadays, when you go to a business meeting, people don't exchange business cards. People are just adding WeChat uh, instead.
0: And just on that, just e- expanding that out a little bit in terms of you know how to communicate um, with with people. So, um, Allison, in, in America, if I wanted, I'm an SME and I want to approach a potential customer. Um, how do I do it? Do I pick up the phone? Do I write an email? Um, what do I do?
1: So, a couple things. Um, considering this uh, ADD affliction <laughs> uh, of my countrymen, uh, I'd recommend a couple things. First, uh, start with a, uh, a, an email, uh, if you can get the email address. And if you can't do that, then try to find the, the uh, person on LinkedIn. Uh, And if you have uh, several LinkedIn common connections, that's very helpful because that lends credibility to you because you obviously have people that you both know uh, in common. Um, but keep it uh, short and sweet. So bullet points is really the method of communication uh, it, with emails uh, these days, uh, or has been for some time. So get to the point quickly, put the numbers in from the start, make it clear how the recipient of your email benefits uh, from, your, uh, to, uh, from talking to you or fixing, uh, ideally fixing a call. Uh, and then fixing, you know, a Zoom or Teams or Skype uh, or uh, WebEx or whatever platform you use uh, and, and fix up to see them. Uh, because uh, phone calls are uh, somewhat hard to gauge uh, in terms of body language. Whereas, you know, if you can see them, it's helpful. In person is even better. If you can uh, schedule a trip, uh, then that's obviously the best thing. Don't be surprised, however, if you don't hear back from uh, that person when you email. It's really because of you know juggling personal life. Per- potentially, if if it's COVID, a COVID time, there might be homeschooling or looking after relatives while trying to juggle the demands of the day job. So uh, your American uh, target customer or client or even maybe colleague uh, will certainly be incredibly swamped trying to juggle all of these demands. So don't take it personally, but do persist. Uh, We expect persistence. We expect you to email a second time. We expect you will follow it up with a voicemail if you can't reach them on the phone. Um, You should also think about Engaging any administrative person that they might have, a, an executive assistant, uh, and getting a him or her in copy on the email, give them a phone call to help you calendar uh, an appointment for a call. Uh, so it's going to take some effort. It isn't just send the email and that's job done. Yes. You're going to have to keep at it uh, until you ultimately connect with that person.
0: And what does that look like in Germany, Jens? What, what, how have you found most successful in terms of engaging companies?
2: It's it's quite similar. So I would start with an email uh, really explicitly, again, outlining, you know, your approach, uh, why you're approaching um, a specific company or a specific executive and, and what the background is. And um, really then, uh, you know, also uh, let people also, you know, um, take time in response there might not be a direct response because often also uh, within german business uh, emails get forwarded to you know maybe uh, the really right or correct so in, in 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 a formal email communication in germany you would you would use you know a very formal uh, approach with sehr geehrter herr so uh, you know dear sir McCullough, until you have met these people um, to, you know you, to name people with um the first name uh you know really becomes more common if you have a trustful relationship so i think we we come to that point later uh in the, in the podcast um but uh it it's 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 a common thing once a relationship really is trustfully established but this takes some time with 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 german uh, business executives to
0: i guess it's the opposite in america is it is it's is it first names
1: it is first names. Uh, we assume we know people immediately. So, you know, Joe and Kamala, we talk about in that way rather than, uh, you know, President Biden and Vice President Harris. So uh, same with celebrities. Uh, so we somehow just assume we, everybody is equal. Uh, and frankly, that is one of the core values of the business culture. That uh, everyone is an equal, whether you are a multimillionaire uh, or whether uh, you're just, uh, you know, an average, ordinary uh, professional in a in a company. So uh, I think there's a, an assumption of leveling uh, that is uh, that is valued in the culture. Interesting.
0: Um, it's probably a good point to go to ZE. I mean, I I assume there's more hierarchy in, uh, in in China than you know that sort of leveling that. Um, that, that
3: Allison talked about. Exactly. So uh, in China, people are called with their titles. So if so, if you don't know the titles, it always says go with manager. So uh, it's it's so it's the surname plus the title. Um, for example, in China, we never call a teacher by their surname or first names. We just call them Teacher Li or Teacher Wang or Teacher Zhang. So there's always, or like we call doctors, is the like Doctor Wang, Doctor Zhang is always where the title word profession. Um, so this is very common in China. Uh, one thing is a little bit different in China is uh, it's for it really depends for startups or um, newly established companies, especially with international business, it's very common that they will respond to their emails but uh, for retailer, retailers or distributors, they don't normally have email address. They prefer WeChat or they prefer phone calls. So it's, uh, it's it could happen that you reach out to a distributor and they never got, get back to you. It's very common. Um, so in that way, um, we prefer, uh, it's actually recommended to have a third party in China who understands the network, how it works in China. And especially if you want to approach an uh, important business partner, find somebody who knows the person in it and connect to you and match make, uh, you to exactly the company you want to approach to. It's very common in China that business business information can be purchased um, and, uh, and it's also regarded as valuable. It is, it, it's also legal to exchange information on prices, um, and, and also through great networks. So this is, this, this might be, uh, less transparent as in, as, as in, in the States or in Germany. Um, even industry association will sell. Uh, informations for um for the operation um cost
0: interesting And tell me just on the um, is there much difference um in you know, uh, dealing with sort of um uh, businessmen versus business women in china is there is there a, a difference in how they operate and, and how you um deal with with each mm
3: mm-hmm. Uh, there is a difference between um, men in power and women in power in China. Um, it's very common that uh, all the people in power are normally men, um, and of course we're seeing more and more m- women rising in C-level, c or management team. Um, it's easier to, uh, from my experience, maybe I'm a woman, so I uh, so so from my experience, I felt it's easier to communicate and more transparent to communicate with women, because they are they turn more into telling the story, give you the background story, tell me to uh, set effects and details and um, more pay attention, pay more attention to the small details for guy is less transparent, they will listen, and they will take it back. And then eventually give your answer yes or no without further explanation that happened also.
0: Interesting. And Alison, um, how, how does that uh, how does that play out in the US? I am mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of quite well known to be uh, tactile, and um, you know, quite sort uh, of I, I like hugs and, and kisses, etc. I mean, uh, how does that play out in terms, in the US? Can I can I go over there and uh, and hug everybody, or, uh, uh, or or do I have to be careful?
1: Um, I think I'd be a little cautious. Uh, You know, Americans now are quite sensitive to uh, sexual harassment and codes of conduct. Uh, There's been lots of, you know, unconscious bias training uh, to raise awareness of uh, encroaching uh, on other people's space and assumptions that you might make. So it doesn't mean uh, being standoffish and not uh, shaking hands. Uh, that's certainly still an accepted uh, custom. Uh, I think um, hugging is perhaps best left to when you know them extremely well. Uh, And even then it's done at a distance. Uh, So if you ever watch uh, how Americans hug in an office setting, you'll find, uh, you know, they hug uh, with their arms fully extended uh, and use their palms uh, to sort of pat the back of the shoulder blade of the other person. So there's, you know, definitely a foot or so between the huggers so that's one um kissing yeah kissing it depends you can gauge that on a case-by-case basis but generally not done so much
0: interesting and uh, yeah i i i get the feeling i wouldn't be giving too many kisses out in in, in germany
2: <laughs> would be an interesting experiment though but uh no i i guess shaking hands is the most common uh rule here but i also heard of uh you know an expat um who went to work and then every day shook hands with uh with uh his colleagues because you know he he he, he read that in some kind of you know business culture um how to i mean it's like Shaking hands is, you know, uh, really on trade shows and for the first bus- business contact, that's the, the, the usual common thing. Um, but then if you enter into like um, that, you know, business relationship, you know, uh, it sometimes even goes without, without. but then it's perceived as a, as a friendly relationship. But usually it's it's shake hands. Yeah.
1: So
0: that concludes our first episode of the webinar series on culture as a barrier to entry, where we have looked at communication In the next episode, we look at influencing and to see how culture plays a part in how we can influence and persuade others to align with our point of view.